bit longer. Take your Bibles with you right now and go to 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. Amen. In this world that is forever changing, amen, the Word of God is forever settled in heaven. And we can build our life on the principles of the Word of God. And we will know that it doesn't matter what storm may come our way, it doesn't matter what crisis may come, the winds may blow, but the house which is built on the Word, it will stand. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 6, we're going to read from verses 1 to 9. Praise the Lord. We're going to read about the Ark of the Covenant today. And I think later in the year, I'm going to do another series on the tabernacle. But let's just touch on the Ark today. But the Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence and the glory of God with Israel. And David considered it a high priority to go and get the Ark. It had been with the enemy for too long. It had been in, in Abinadab's house for 20 years. And David says, I'm going to go and I'm going to bring the Ark back to Jerusalem. And we pick up the story here. You see, the last mention of the ark was way back in 1 Samuel 7 when they went and got it from the land of the Philistines. Now David goes. Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. Everyone say 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a, a new cart. Everyone say a new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gebeah. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, they drove the cart, the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gebeah accompanying the ark of the Lord, and Ohio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps, upon psalteries, upon timbrels, upon the cornets, and upon the cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord, everyone say the anger of the Lord, was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there. Everybody say there. We must thank God that we didn't get smitten dead at that place called there. When we've made those mistakes, where was your there? Maybe you had a there moment even this week. Let's continue. God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of that place Peruzazah. A terrible name to pronounce. And to this day, it is still known to that. And David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? How can I, after seeing what happened to Uzzah, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? How can I get the ark of the Lord? We go to Psalm chapter 24, which was a psalm written at the entrance of the ark of the covenant into Jerusalem, 
during the reign of David as he's bringing the ark back. Psalm 24, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands, everyone say clean hands. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Amen. A very, very gripping account right there. As David is bringing the ark back, they put it on a new cart. And as the, the oxen are driving, the, the ark begins to shake and almost fall. And Uzzah reaches out and he touches it and God smites him dead. David says, after seeing that, how can I go into the presence of God? How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? How can I be around that ark after seeing what happened to Uzzah? We let's... Let the Lord speak to us today. Who shall stand in his holy place? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. Lord God, I pray you would speak to every person here today. Lord God, I pray that, Lord, it would not just be me that speaks, Lord God, but Lord, you would speak through me and speak to every circumstance in this place. Lord, speak into every heart, Lord God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that there would be repentance in this house today. Lord, as we look to you, Lord Jesus, in these last days that we would turn our eyes to you, Lord God, and turn our hearts to you. Clean our hands, Lord God. Clean our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. You may be seated. Who shall stand in his holy place? Who shall stand in this holy place? God is holy. Everybody say holy. The reason why this is called the Holy Bible it is because it is the Word of God. The reason why the word holy means that it is set apart. It is like no other. The holiness of God is essential. It is one of the essential and absolute attributes of God's divine nature. God is holy. And as we read the scriptures, the Bible says over and over again, it is set before us this matter of great importance, which is the holiness of God. And because of God's holiness, it, it causes us to have an awe and an adoration for Him. Because of His holiness, we surrender. We lift our hands in surrender to Him. We worship Him. We come to Him with awe and adoration because of the holiness of God. And God's holiness sets the standard for all other holiness. God's holiness, it necessitates His opposition to sin and His condemnation of sin. Why is that? Because God is holy. God is holy. It is our highest aspiration in 1 Peter 1 verse 16. It says that we are to be holy as God is holy. Make no mistake, we serve a holy God. And make no mistake, God requires of His people to be a holy people. Who can stand in this holy place? 
How can an unholy person like me, blood and flesh and bone, how can I stand in his holy presence? You see, I want to live in the presence of God. My mom's foster grandmother always used to say to live in the presence of God, to practice the presence of God, to be aware of God's presence all the time and to dwell in his presence. I want to live in the presence of God. I want the presence of God in my life. I want the presence of God in my marriage. I want the presence of God in my family. And every believer ought to want to be in the presence of God. Why? Because he is holy. And the Bible says that in his presence, there is fullness of joy. You won't find joy outside of the presence of God. You won't find satisfaction outside of the presence of God. The Bible says, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And David is a man after God's own heart. We know that. Why is he a man after God's own heart? Because David was always chasing after God's heart. David was always pursuing the presence of God. And it's only fitting that David is now ascended to the throne after the death of Saul and Abinadab on the, on the battlefield. And David's going to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to his people. He's bringing the Ark back to Jerusalem. It had been in a man named Abinadab's house for 20 years. Now, the Bible says that we read in our text that Abinadab lived in Gebeah. And if you go to the scriptures, 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1, it will be on the screen. It says that Gebeah was on a hill. Everyone say on a hill. They came and they got the ark and they fetched the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill. That's important. And sanctified Eleazar, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. And so it goes into Abinadab's house, which is on a hill. And Eleazar is sanctified to be with the ark. That's important as well. You see, he, he didn't just keep the ark. He was sanctified. He was set apart to keep the ark of the Lord. Let me tell you today... Being around the ark was not a casual thing. Being in the presence of God is not a casual thing. Even Eleazar had to be sanctified, purified. He had to live a set-apart life so that he could be around the ark of the covenant. Nobody could just approach the ark of the covenant in the Old Testament. Even in the tabernacle between the holy place and the holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, there was a veil. It was behind the veil and only the high priest could go in there after all of the rituals of cleansing and all of that. There was a great preparation that had to be made to go into the holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. And the only way we today can go into the holy of holies is through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Because when he was on the cross, my brothers and sisters, church today, when he died on the cross, the Bible says that the veil to the Holy of Holies was, was rent from the top to the bottom. And now we can go into the Holy of Holies through Jesus Christ. That veil was rent. And like the old song says, although I'm just a common man, because of God's redemption plan, I can boldly approach the throne. 
You see, you can't be casual around the presence of God. We can go into the Holy of Holies through the blood of Jesus Christ because he died on the cross for us. There's an old song, it's an old hymn which says, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. You see, it is because of the blood of Jesus that we can be purified. It is because of the blood of Jesus that we can have clean hands and a pure heart. It's because of the blood of Jesus that we can go into the holy of holies. (laughs) Although I'm just a common man, because of God's redemption plan, I can boldly approach the throne. Paul said it like this, that at that time you were without Christ. This is before Jesus' death. You were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, everyone say in Christ Jesus. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were afar off, You who could not come into the Holy of Holies. You who were afar off, you were outside of the covenant, outside of the promises. You who were afar off, lost in your sin, going through rituals and all of that. You who were afar off and made nigh because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's why we sing the song around here. Thank God for the blood. There is power, power, wonder working power in the precious blood. Of Jesus you see none of us can ascend the holy hill on our own none of us can go into the holy of holies on our own none of us can go into that presence on our own that's why we need Jesus Jesus is the way he's the truth and he is the life what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus David asked the question Who shall ascend that holy hill? That holy hill. Who shall ascend? And he answered his own question in the next verse. He said, he that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Everybody say clean hands. Everybody say a pure heart. And so it had been in the house of Abinadab. For 20 years and Abinadab and his dad Saul were slain on the battlefield. And, and, and because of Saul dying on the battlefield, that ended the reign of 40 years of Saul. And David is now on the throne. He says, I'm going to go back and I'm going to get the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible says that they went there after 20 years in Abinadab's house. They went there and they put the Ark on a new cart. Everybody say a new cart. It also says they went up the hill. So they went to Abinadab's house, which we already learned in Gabeah, which is up the hill. But they put it on a new car. I don't know what they were thinking. They said, you know what? It's been a long time, 20 years. Let's modernize things. Let's put it on a new car. Let me say, church, we've got to be careful. We want to be relevant in this world and we want to be able to reach and be a a contemporary church and a a modern day church. But in our efforts to be relevant, we must be careful we're not changing what God doesn't want changed. Come on, I ought to hear a bigger amen than that. We've got to be careful we're not changing what God doesn't want changed. 
We've got to follow the Word of God, not public opinion, not what every other church is doing. This is our standard. Our standard is the Word of God. I'm not looking for popular opinion. I'm not looking for what other churches are doing. I don't care what the world thinks. I'm not going to put it on a new cart. Some people think we've got to change everything. I, I'm, I'm absolutely grieved in my heart to hear that there are committees in churches saying, you know what, we need to rethink our stance on a whole lot of things. They're trying to put the gospel and this word of God on a new cart. Let's be careful. We want to be a modern day church, a 21st century church. But I want to tell you, we want to be a modern day church, but our feet have to be planted on the word of God. This is forever settled in heaven. And if you want to go putting this message on a new cart, you better go find a new pastor because I'm not interested in deviating from the Word of God. This is the only thing that's going to stand in the last days. I'm telling you, the church will be victorious. We don't need a new cart. Hallelujah. The Word of God is our standard. We're not going to look. This, the Word of God is our blueprint for everything. Brothers and sisters, if you don't have a love for the Word of God, let me tell you, you're going to slip and you're going to slide in these last days as opinion comes. They're marching the streets in Sydney. They're marching the streets everywhere. They're, they're so strong about their doctrine. They want everyone to believe it. But where is the church? Too busy with our new cart. I'm sorry. <laughs> Some people say we've got to find something more acceptable to the world. Let me tell you, when you find Jesus, you find everything that you're looking for. And we've got so many testimonies in this house today. The ark was not to be on a new cart. It was to be carried on the shoulders of holy, righteous men. Not a man-made cart. Let me tell you, when we begin to do things man's way, things become unstuck very quick. I think we think we're so smart, but really... This world is in a mess. It says, and when, nation, when they came to nations threshing for, Uzzah put forth his hand to touch the ark of God, and he took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. it was on, the oxen were pulling that cart, and it began to shake, and he touched it. It is a dangerous thing to handle the glory of God with hands that aren't prepared. Hmm. To handle the holy with impure hands. To handle the holy with an impure heart. You see, the Levites were the ones that transported the ark. They, to transport the ark, they had to be ceremonially clean. Even in Exodus chapter 30, it instructs Aaron, the high priest, and his sons to wash their hands and their feet at the laver of the tabernacle before they went and ministered to the Lord. In Isaiah 52 verse 11, it says, Purify yourselves who bear the vessels of the Lord. I've got to have clean hands and a pure heart. If you're going to try and handle the holiness of God, if you want to go into his presence, you've got to have clean hands and a pure heart. The prophet Jeremiah said it like this, and, and go not after other gods to serve them and to worship them and provoke me not to anger with the work of your hands. And I will do you no hurt. You have not hearkened to me, saith the Lord, that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands. There it is again. A lot of people say, well, God doesn't care about the outside. All he cares about is the heart. Here we see here, it was the work of their hands which angered God. I ask a question. Is your pastor today, have our hands been touching things they shouldn't? Is there sin in our life? 
Have we allowed things to creep in and to touch those things? You see, this message is about the holiness of God and the need for holiness in our life. This message is also about repentance. You see, we cannot approach the holy without clean hands and a pure heart. And if you want to live in the presence of God daily, and if that is your craving to live in the presence of God, we need clean hands and a pure heart. I said it, you know, some people say, well, God doesn't care about the outside. All he cares about is the inside. Well, I think David settled it. He that hath clean hands, the outside and a pure heart. We read about Pilate. Pilate was there and he was at the crucifixion of Jesus, judging the whole situation. When they decided they want to crucify Jesus, he washed his hands in front of everybody. He wanted to look like he was all good on the outside. He washed his hands. Let me tell you. Clean hands can still crucify an innocent savior. Because there was a heart issue there with Pilate. And there it is with Uzzah. He reaches out and we say, this is is really shocking what would happen. But you need to understand that God doesn't just kill somebody for no reason. Something was not right with Uzzah. He had become so familiar with the presence of God. You know who Azar is? He is the son of Abinadab. The Ark of the Covenant had been in his dad's house for 20 years. That's one of my biggest fears for the next generation of young people is that we've been living in the presence of God so long we've forgotten about the holiness of God. We think we just come in the presence of God and just come in with unclean hands and an unclean heart and, and somehow God's going to be all good with that. That's exactly what happened to Azar. He'd been living around the ark so long, he took it all for granted. (laughs) Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. It's not some casual thing to guard your heart. Don't let stuff get into your life. Let me tell you, you allow sin to get in your life, a little bit of sin, it's like a wedge. You know, sin will always take you further than you want it to go. It will always cost you more than you want it to pay. And it will always keep you longer than you want it to stay. Don't let stuff get in your life. You'll become a shipwreck. You will lose your marriage. You'll end up in addiction. You begin to play with sin. It will always take you further than you wanted to go. David sees what happens to Uzzah. And David was afraid of the Lord. And he said, how shall the ark of the Lord come to me? He's so passionate about the presence of God. He's going to get the ark and he's going to bring it back to Jerusalem. He sees what happens to us. He says, what can I do? How can the ark of the Lord come to me? And the New Living Translation says, how can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? Now in the Psalms, you will often read David's response to circumstances that were happening in his life. In Psalm chapter 51, David wrote that after his sin with Bathsheba. But in Psalm chapter 24, it is written at this time when they've gone to get the ark from Abinadab's house, which is on the hill. And David is writing about that exactly there. David says, how shall I get the ark of the God back into my care? David writes in Psalm 23, uh, 24 verse 3 and 4, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? He's talking about the hill that they went up to go to Abinadab's house to get the Ark of the Covenant. When they saw Uzzah reach out and touch that Ark. He's talking about that hill. 
Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? How can I ever get the ark back to into my care? How can I bring that ark back to God's people? And then he answers his question. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. David realizes, you know what? We're going to get the Ark of the Covenant, but it's going to take a lot more than just a little bit of singing. Hmm? It's going to take a little bit more than just a little bit of praising. It's going to take a little bit more than just going through the routine of church. He realizes, could they go up there and they're singing and they're clapping and all that and they're, they're bringing the ark of the Lord and David realized it's going to take a little bit more than just a, a, a praise and worship service. He said, he that hath clean hands and a pure heart. David says, God is holy and God wants holiness from his people. Touch not the unclean thing. You see, we are still called. 2 Corinthians 2, 6 verse 17 says, to come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing. Isaiah chapter 34, 5 verse 8 says, and in a highway shall be there and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools shall not err therein. Let me tell you, the way of God is a way of holiness. Brothers and sisters, it's time to make sure we've got clean hands and a pure heart. You say, how, pastor? How can I have clean hands and a pure heart? How can I deal with the sin in my life? I want to live in the presence of God. I want to know the blessing of God. I want to know the provision of God. Let me tell you, how can I go to that holy hill? How can I enter his presence? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. If you're an unbeliever today, Maybe you've never truly given your life to God. In Acts chapter 2, that when Peter preached the gospel, he preached the gospel about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and they realized that they had blood on their hands. They realized they had blood on their hands. And you know what they said? They said, what shall we do? It says in Acts 2 verse 36, And let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. There was a prick in their heart and they, when they heard it, they were pricked. And Peter said, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, for the cleansing of your sins, for the, gift, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What shall we do? I want to have, I want to get deal with the sin in my life. I want to, I need to have clean hands and a pure heart. What shall I do? Let me tell you, if you've never been born again, when you repent of your sins and you're baptized in Jesus' name, your sins are washed away. You are a new creature. You have clean hands and a pure heart. Oh, but what happens after that? Because I'm preaching to people that have been born again and you find yourself falling away, maybe even backsliding. Maybe you feel like you're so, you're so dry. Let me tell you, if you've been born again but sin keeps creeping back into your life, 
Maybe you're backslidden. You say, you know, Pastor, I may be in church today, but I'm not where God wants me to be. Let me tell you what you got to do. you got to repent. The Bible says if we confess our sin to God, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. And that's why anybody, when you learn how to pray, you're going to come into the presence of God and you're going to get down in that secret place and you're going to come before the Lord. And before you say anything, you say, God, I repent of my sin. Oh, God, I repent, Lord God. I want to have clean hands and a pure heart. Lord God, I confess my sin to you. God, I want your presence, oh God. I need you to hear me, God. And we repent of our sin. We confess it to God and the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're backslidden today, the answer is repentance. It's not just a one-time thing. Repent of your sin and come before God. You see, sin can be in the church. Somebody say amen. Amen. (laughs) Well, you know, we ought to all say amen because I'm sure we know what it's like. Sin can be in the church. Even Paul wrote to the church at Rome. He said, don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies. Paul's writing to the church at Rome and, and sin had crept so much into their lives that it was reigning in their life. It was sitting on the throne of their life. I mean, that's a great message to preach to unbelievers. Don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies. But Paul's preaching to the church at Rome. 1 John 1 verse 9, I read it before. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word has no place in our lives. James chapter 4 verses 6 to 10. But he giveth more grace. Everyone say more grace. How many people are thankful for more grace? How many people are thankful for the grace of God? You know what? There's people here today. We are testimonies of the grace of God. I want to tell you with all of my heart, brothers and sisters, there's got to be a revival of repentance. There's got to be a revival of repentance. We can't come into the presence of God with impure hands and impure heart. We can't go just through the motions any longer. We've got to have a repentant heart. David says, how can I go into the holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart but he giveth more grace wherefore he saith God resisteth the proud (laughs) nothing wrong with me I got it all together what I've done is all right in my opinion I'm fine I don't really care what the word of God says I it it, I I'm doing the right thing you know I've got my own truth You've got your truth and I've got my truth. That's the way the world speaks. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. But even more than that, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. That is repentance. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. How shall I ascend that holy hill? 
How shall I go into his presence? When I saw what happened to Uzzah, when he tried to handle the holy with impure hands, how can I, as David, how can I go? I want to be in the presence of God. I want to bring back that ark. How can I? And he answers his own question. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. How can I ascend that holy hill? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. If the musicians could come, God is holy and we cannot approach a holy God with dirty hands and an impure heart. And that is the message of the gospel. You don't have to have dirty hands and a pure heart because Jesus died on the cross and his blood washes our sins clean. We can be new creatures. We can experience forgiveness of sins. Somebody say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. We cannot approach a holy God with dirty hands and a pure heart. And that's why people may call us strict or whatever, but before any ministry, there must be repentance. We must have clean hands and a pure heart. Before preaching the word, clean hands and a pure heart. Before playing music, clean hands and a pure heart before singing clean hands and a pure heart what are clean hands and a pure heart that is a repentant heart the bible says a contrite spirit remorse recognition of our sin i want to have clean hands and a pure heart let's stand david should have been on the battlefield he finds himself looking through a window and he sees Bathsheba there he falls into sin David prays this prayer create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me you see, we know David is the man after God's own heart. Yeah? But a man after God's own heart isn't a perfect man. Just a re repentant man. A woman after God's own heart isn't a perfect woman. But just a woman who knows repentance. You say, Pastor, where am I? I mean, there's no way I'm perfect. I'm far from it. And I struggle every day. Maybe even this week you've had struggles in your life. Let me tell you, you'll never be perfect, but we pursue. We, we try to be holy like God is holy. But a man after God's own heart is not a perfect man. It is just a man who knows repentance. And brothers and sisters, every day of our lives, we must be living that repentant life turning from our wicked ways, not allowing ourselves to be entertained by the things of the world, watching what we're touching with our hands, a repentant heart. David said, create in me a clean heart. He goes on to say the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. And I announced just a little while ago, we're gonna go into a season of prayer and fasting, 21 days. And if we want to see God do a work in our lives, 
And if we want to see revival, not just in our church, but in our city, in our families, let me tell you, there must be repentance. There must be repentance. We cannot handle the holy with impure hands and impure hearts. Who shall ascend that holy hill? Who shall stand in that holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. You see, God used Noah to build the ark. Why? Because he had clean hands. God used Moses to build the tabernacle. He used his hands. Why? Because they were clean. Jesus' disciples, not Jesus, Jesus' disciples fed 5,000 men plus women and children. Why? We say Jesus fed them. Yeah, he, he did the miracle, but it was the disciples' hands which gave the bread and the fish out. Clean hands and a pure heart. And if you want God to use you, clean hands and a pure heart. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward Him. This altar is open right now. I believe every single one of us should find a place on our knees, either at this altar, at our chairs, or in the aisles. And let there be, let there be repentance in this house today. I drove past the church on Wednesday. I'd never seen a big crowd at that church on a Wednesday. I didn't expect to see a big crowd at that church on a Wednesday. I was thinking, well, there's no hearse out the front. What's going on? I went... Come to the church and I thought, you know what? It's Ash Wednesday. You know, we don't do Ash Wednesday. But there was a church full of people which I don't even really know if they really know God. But they were repenting. How much more shall we repent of our sins? Hallelujah. Let's just pray right now. Lord Jesus, we come before you. Let's lift our hands in surrender to the Holy God right now. Let's find a place in prayer. Oh, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew in me a right spirit, oh God. I want to go into your presence, God. Lord, I want to know your presence in my life. Lord God, Lord, I want to know your blessing. Oh, yes, Jesus. Oh, come on, church. Let's find us somewhere on our knees right now. Let's find a place to pray right now. Come on, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Oh, yes, Jesus. Oh, God, we love you, Jesus.